Good evening. It's Sunday, August the 12th, 2018. Live from downtown Chicago, Illinois. This is... Well, you know what this is. Let's go. Are you still standing? What's going on? Guess who? (laughs) Ah, don't even think about writing me off. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome back. uh, Welcome back to the uh, podcast. We're going to uh, just uh, throw out some tidbits here. Uh, It is the first... It's the second week of August, and I figured I would get around to doing a uh, a show one of these days. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's settle in. We don't have that much time this evening. Uh, we actually are. Some of us are actually on a schedule these days. What's going on with you? How are you? Are you recovering from DefCon? Did you attend DefCon? DEFCON is uh, a hacker conference that takes place in Las Vegas each year. And I believe this was the 25th or 26th year of its existence. And I went in 97, 98 and haven't been back since. (laughs) Uh, and oddly enough, uh, I, I received some communications. Uh, some people were wondering if I was there in attendance this year. I, d- <laughs> I didn't know I was required to be in attendance, but uh, some were looking for me there. So I sighed. I agreed. I'm like, all right, fuck it. Next year I will attend. You know, the reason, you know, if you know, if you've listened to the show, you've gotten to kind of know my personality a little bit. That scares me. But uh, you you know that I'm no fan of um, the the extreme cold or the extreme heat. So, you know, I kind of just like, you know, 82 degrees. I'm I'm hunky dory. But, uh, you know, it was like 107 degrees out there this year. And when I went, it it wasn't any better. It's in it's in. It's in August, man, in Las Vegas. Think about that. And you know, uh, each year uh, I've I've seen it grow. I I saw it grow from a couple thousand people tops, maybe fifteen hundred, to what it is now. Uh, and it's it, it looks. <laughs> I was looking at some photos on the internet this evening of the events, and I was like, oh my god. Like, 
someone with, and there's an event before that uh, called Black Hat or something. It, it's uh, it's a conference, it's, uh, whatever. Uh, and it's um, it it's it's before uh, I think it's the week before. I, I'm not really up to speed on all this Black Hat DefCon stuff these days. Uh, it's as I said, you know, it's been a long time since I went out there. Uh, but I believe that. I think it does. Whatever. Anyhow, thousands and thousands of hackers attend Las Vegas, descend on Vegas, and uh, there there are good. Uh, there are just if it's like uh, anything hacker is there uh, trends, security issues, media events. Uh, you name it, it's it's out there, and, and it's happening in Vegas. Uh, and you know, before, and it's just a, um, it's you know, it, it's it, it's great. It, it's where people that uh, like to think creatively, freely, openly, share knowledge. Uh, it's it's where they attend, and uh, you should check it out. If you haven't, you should. Highly encouraged. <laughs> it's so wonderful to see so many hackers this day and age. I remember, God Almighty, uh, back in my day, there were just hundreds, maybe. <laughs> uh, and so it's really, really good to see um, the hacker mindset um uh, growing uh and before that we had uh the hackers on planet earth conference in new york city i was really hyped up about that stoked my god i was really happy uh went out there uh we bounced out of here on a friday night got out there landed in new jersey had um you know got to our room in manhattan uh, attended the conference. Um, there were there were some issues there, uh, but I'm sure the, the the folks that put on the conference at 2600 uh, will definitely, absolutely, <laughs> that shit's not going to happen again. And it, it, you know, I, I could, you know, I could, I could have jumped on the whole bus of you know the breakdown of um, not. It's I don't even want to call it a breakdown. It was just. Uh, you know, there were some unintended uh, incidents, unforeseen incidents that occurred. And um, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm still split divided on how um, how all of that really played out. But, you know, those are my opinions. I'll, I'll certainly keep them to myself. But uh, and you could, of course, form your own. Uh, and, you know, it was... Um, Overall, though, I enjoyed my time uh, at the conference. I I, I took zero p photos, <laughs> and and that's one. Of the, and I took zero photos. Uh, literally took zero photos, uh, and was able to actually um, enjoy myself. It was good. I felt like a kid. It was so great. I felt so much like a kid uh, in New York. And, and it was the first time I actually uh, was able to feel that way for a lot of reasons. 
Uh, and uh, very interesting. I did not get a chance to see as many people as that I wanted to see. <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, I promised uh, some friends uh, on Twitter. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, promised some Twitter friends and some uh, real life friends that, uh, uh, yes, I'll I'll go to Vegas next year. <sighs> I have to get fit for that shit. Like I have to go running even harder. Uh, so uh, look for me in Las Vegas next year at Black Hat and DefCon. I'm going to spend a few weeks out there. Uh, and uh, also look for me again in 2020 at the uh, Hackers on Planet Earth event. And uh, I will be volunteering. Uh, so, I, uh, you know. It'll be interesting to see what what uh, task they put me to as a volunteer, but uh, yes, I will be on board uh, with uh, those those guys if they allow it, <laughs> if they allow me, uh, and I'll volunteer and um, help be part of the uh, the solution. So uh, so that's that's what's been going on. Other than that, it's been uh, really warm here in Chicago. Uh, it's actually a little too warm. It you know uh, it's been like and then like high 80s and we're talking fahrenheit uh high 80s low 90s uh and you know uh besides those two events uh and you know everything else that's just hap you know that's just happened in my personal life over the past year uh, i've just been resting uh enjoy you know getting back into shape um losing weight <laughs> feeling it too looking at and uh, just catching up on things. Um, and one of the one of the things that I catch up on, uh, or caught got caught up on, uh, was like you know you know I'm 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 a byproduct of the '80s here, so you know I like uh, well you know I'm not one of those um, fanatics that like one sort of uh, music genre. You know I like, but uh, growing up in the '80s, you know when when I had like you know a green screen and uh, you know hard drive of 25 megabytes. Uh, you know, it, the best thing to do back then, you know, there was no electronica or trance or, you know, there was rock country, um, you know, adult contemporary and, uh, you know, new wave or heavy metal. And so, or rap. So, you know, the, the, you know, very, it was like 10 or 11 genres tops, you know, now there's a genre for everything. Right. And so, so that's what I discovered was like, you know, so I was like, you know, I listened to a, an old 80s song, uh, I don't know, last week sometime. And uh, it was, it was, you know, I, I listened to the song and then I just, I set my iPod on my desk and I continued to work. And then uh, some more music started playing, right? And it sounded like, it sounded like it was straight up out of like 1986, 84, 85. And that, that's the era of digital music that I was really into as a, as a kid, you know, as a very young hacker. And so I discovered this whole, you know, music genre, right? Uh, it's called New Retro Wave. And I was like, holy shit, this is cool. Uh, so uh, if, if you're, you know, like, you know, if you grew up in the 80s like I did, you know, you'll, you'll definitely get where I'm coming from if you, uh, you know, find that format and start listening to it it's um it, it was it was insane i'm like holy shit this is like uh the never-ending version of uh trancers which was a um 
awful B movie back in the 80s. Uh, but uh, it, it did capture the 80s quite well. Um, that's a whole nother topic. I don't have that much time to talk this uh, this evening because, uh, you know, getting well, uh, you know, brings its challenges. Uh, and those challenges, uh, of course, uh, result in me uh, being uh, open and efficient throughout the, uh, the work week. And so I, I think I've been doing uh, quite good of keeping a journal and uh, staying on schedule on task. I really hate the seven o'clock trains though. Oh my God. So, uh, getting better, um, working, uh, you know, smiling and enjoying the sun, the warm weather, not that hot hell weather out there in Vegas. And, uh, but next year, yeah, I know. Get out there. You know, usually I have uh, all kinds of notes and stuff prepared for uh, the podcast, but you know, I'm just kind of sitting here uh, this evening with Crash, uh, listening to that new genre shit, right, on the headphones, uh, with a big smile on my face, feeling good, um, talking about, you know, recent conferences and shit. Now, I will be going to Chongqing, China in October, checking that shit out. And yeah, I'm going to take some photos there for sure. Uh, and then I'm off to Berlin in December to the uh, Chaos Congress. Uh, and so I wanted to jump back for a moment. Um, you know, I've been on Twitter ever since uh, Madara and I and um, a few other quite interesting minds uh, came together and formed all of this uh, fun shit. And... Um, so I had, I had a Twitter account. Now, I don't know if these were bots or not, but, you know, I, you know, I've been on Twitter for, I don't know, three, four years. And, you know, I, for a while, I got really aggressive with Twitter. It, uh, you know, carrying the whole smartphone thing uh, around all the time. And I think I covered that on some shows. And it was just kind of weird, man, you know, like uh, the way Twitter's uh, algorithm is, uh, along with the, uh, other social media platforms, you know, their algorithms that they use, you know, the more you use it and interact with other users, the more you are rewarded with followers, right? And so, you know, it's kind of, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand that uh, and to meet people, uh, you know, I'm... And, and that's kind of the thing that I did, right? So I signed up for a Twitter account and, you know, I started meeting people, engaging, sharing photos, videos, and it, it, and for a while, for a number of years, it was, it was great. Uh, and so I don't know, maybe two years ago, I started backing off a little bit, not posting as much. And I think, yeah, I'm quite sure that I actually shared this uh, sentiment with you on, on a previous show, but, uh, you, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's all designed around you. You know, you're the product, right? You know, you see someone else uh, and uh, on Twitter or any side type of social media. And then you, you start to kind of, you know, stand back with your arms folded and you, you kind of start, you know, you're on the outside looking at things and, you know, you, you're realizing that things aren't really, <laughs> you know, you're seeking gratification from a mobile device rather than, you know, speaking with someone in person, et cetera. And so uh, I took a step back a couple of years ago, checked that out. And, uh, you know, it's just like, well, fuck it. You know, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, I'll post shit on Twitter, you know, like the show's done or whatever. But 
uh, posting security advice or, you know, hacker tips and all that. You know, I tried all of the little gimmicky ways and, and I was okay with it, but still I really wasn't, uh, I really wasn't cool with just, um, you know, posting all the time. You know, I had more shit to do in life. And so, uh, that's, that's what, <laughs> yeah, I slacked off and, you know, once in a while I'd come in, like a few posts, bullshit with a couple friends on Twitter and that's kind of it. And so, uh, that, so be it, right? I did that. And, uh, uh, I don't know, like six, five or six weeks ago. I don't know. Maybe even more recent than that. You know, I logged onto my Twitter account and I'm like, I'm like, holy, like, holy shit, man. You know, like 20,000 of my followers disappeared overnight. I'm like, what the, I'm like, what the fuck? And then like, you know, pe you know, people that I know in real life, you know, they're like, what the fuck, man? You know, did you block me? You know, I'm not following you anymore. And I'm like, I, I don't even know what the fuck. And, uh, so it seems that Twitter did some kind of purge, but in the, in the process, it caught up a, a lot of, um, legitimate accounts. So at that point, you know, I'm just like, fuck it. You know, uh, I'll keep the Twitter account, the handle there bullshit with you once in a while if, if you you know but you know I'm, I'm not there to, to you know i'm not there to like get fucking likes and uh, hearts and all that you know I, I love fucking with people i mean in a good sense though when i say that right you know like saying hi and all that shit but uh just you know just sitting on that shit all the time expressing you you know each each fucking feeling that you have is you know uh to me, that's kind of fucking lame, and uh, I'm, I'm just not going to be part of it. Now, uh, I have my own personal Twitter account as well, and uh, I keep in touch with people there as well, and and do and I do share my thoughts there um, until, you know, I lose, like, all my followers, and then, you know, I'll, I'll say fuck it to that. So uh, that's hanging on by a thread, I guess. <laughs> so that's why I haven't been active on Twitter lately. I'm, I haven't gone anywhere. I'm still here. Uh, but it just, it just fucking sucks, man. Social media sucks. I mean, you know, I had to get through, you know, I, I had to go through my, um, other social media accounts, right. To like, see what the fuck is there. And, you know, like, okay, you know, how important is this shit really? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, so it, you know, it's, it's kind of like you, you know, you know, years and years and years ago, oh my God, you know, 10 years ago, you know, your privacy was already gone. So if you, you know, um, and I'm going to give you a tip on how to beat some of this shit. Uh, so, you know, there's no expectation of privacy. And if you do, I mean, you know, you're, you're kind of a nerd and, and think about that for a minute. So the best thing you can do is just try to control uh, the, the flow of information. Um, and if you're a hacker, you, you have that ability quite well and use your skills for in a good way in that regard. Don't, don't be a scumbag and use your skills for something evil or illegal. That's so fucking lame. All right. Uh, so that's the social media updates. What the fuck else was I going to talk about? All right. We talked about how we talked about fuck else. What we talking about? I'm talking about the 80s music, yeah. Now check that 80s shit out. It's called uh, New Retro Wave. <laughs> shit is fresh. Uh, and there's other, you know, flavors of that shit. Uh, catching up on the news. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was checking out the news last night and... Um, 
some 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 guy stole a a, a plane <coughs> and uh he, he was like uh worked for the airline company and stole a plane well and flew flew it around and was fucking with air traffic control and all of that um i don't know it, it was it was definitely weird I don't know. Check out. Check out. Uh, uh, check. Check. Check this shit out. We now know the name of the airline worker who stole a commercial airliner and crashed it just outside Seattle. His name is Richard Russell. He was 29 years old. He worked for Horizon Air for the last three or so years before stealing this plane last night, taking off, and then doing these maneuvers. Thankfully, officials say the plane was empty at the time, but Russell flew it for more than an hour doing flips and so-called barrel rolls before finally crashing onto a wooded island. Crews are looking for that black box now, but we do have chilling audio from air traffic control. Here are some of Russell's last words. I got a lot of people that care about me and uh, it's gonna disappoint them to hear that I did this. Um, I would like to apologize each and every one of them. Um, just a broken guy. Got a few screws loose, I guess. Never really knew it until now. CNN's Dan Simon has been near this crash site all afternoon. Dan, what else do we know about Russell? Anna, a law enforcement source, tells CNN that the 29-year-old Horizon Airline employee has been identified as Richard Russell. Now, we can tell you that Russell is somebody who kept a very active online presence. He recorded YouTube videos talking about his job. He also had an online blog where he mentioned that a few years ago, he and his wife operated a bakery somewhere in Oregon. Now, he did work in ground support at the Seattle airport, so what does that mean? We know that he loaded and unloaded luggage he would also tidy up aircraft and it also involved riding a tractor or driving a tractor where he would put an airplane in the right place for takeoff. And that is apparently what he did yesterday before getting in the cockpit, firing up the engines, and then having a successful taxi and takeoff. That is very difficult to do under normal circumstances because of the protocols in place. I want you to listen now to the CEO of Horizon Airlines who spoke out earlier today. Normally you would uh, request uh, clearance for pushback. Uh, from either your own tower or ground control. You'd then speak with ground control all the way out to the runway. They would turn you over to the tower, uh, who would then uh, clear you for, for takeoff. Um, and I believe, in fact, I know that uh, he did communicate on the ground uh, frequency, and all of the communications for the entire flight were conducted on that frequency. You're right, uh, there were some maneuvers that were done that were uh, um, incredible maneuvers with the aircraft. Uh, to our knowledge, um, he didn't have a pilot's license. Um, so to be honest with you, I mean, commercial aircraft are complex machines. Uh, they're not as easy to fly as, say, a Cessna 150. Uh, so I don't know how he achieved the experience uh, that he did. Now, I spoke to a former co-worker who worked with Russell. He was shocked that he did this. He said he had a very good sense of humor, but he wasn't shocked that he gained the knowledge in terms of how to operate the aircraft. He said because of being on the tow team, you learn certain things that other employees might not know how to do. 
Now, as far as what is happening now, I can tell you that over at the island where the crash occurred, there are dozens of investigators there. They're trying to retrieve those black boxes, the flight data recorder and the cockpit voice recorder, but what evidence those boxes might yield, we don't know. We already, of course, have a ton of evidence because of the conversation between Russell and air traffic control. Anna. Dan Simon, thank you. And we just got a picture of Russell. Again, he was 29 years old. He had worked for Horizon Air for three and a half years. He was a ground service agent. This is from his LinkedIn page. Now, a few minutes ago, I had a chance to talk with national security analyst Juliette Kayyem, and she told me that as sad and as strange as this crash was, there is an upside, that the things that are supposed to happen in an emergency like this worked well. Listen. Part of what airline, airport security is, is to imagine that something bad happens because you can't predict everything and then and then sort of, you know, have the crisis management and communications plans just in case. So uh, uh, fighter uh, jets were deployed within one minute. Uh, communication by the FBI alerting that this was not terrorism. Uh, the airline um, and the airport were really aggressive on uh, communications. And then just look at the training clearly uh, from that, uh, uh, from uh, between the ground control and the pilot. Those communications saved lives. They sort of, you know, made sure that the pilot who, who really did come to know that he was going to die uh, did not harm anyone else. So in some ways you also look at security planning as did the, after the thing happens, did the system uh, begin, uh, get into place to protect more people? And I have to say in this case, uh, you know, this is a horrible story, but um, no one else was hurt. Here with us right now, our aviation analyst, Les Aubin. He's a commercial airline captain flying the Boeing 777, just recently retired. He's also the author of this book, Paper Wings. Uh, Les, so good to have you with us. What a, a crazy story. And we continue to learn little bits and pieces about what went down, who this person was, what strikes you. Well, this was chilling to me. I, just listening to the to the recorded transcript, it was just absolutely chilling to me that this man could maneuver an aircraft with limited experience or no experience mm -hmm. in an airplane. And I'd be glad to discuss that later. What 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 might be plausible in, in that scenario? But let's reassure viewers that this is a one-off situation. This is not an epidemic. The security procedures are still in effect. Um, you know, this was a disturbed man. As an airport, as an airline pilot, there were many things that I had to go through in order to uh, be hired by the airline. Um, there were many uh, steps involved uh, just to get on with the airline. Then, then my medical uh, was very important. The airline gave me my uh, gave me a medical review. The FAA gave me a medical review throughout my 34-year career. Um, the ground folks, not so much, but they require what they call a CIDA badge, What's which that? is uh, a security identification display area. In other words, they have to display this badge to other employees and to appropriate authorities, whether it be TSA, doesn't make any difference, law enforcement. Um, they have to go through a vetting procedure, first with the airline, in and of itself, their hiring procedures, mm -hmm. then go through a security procedure, fingerprints, they have to go through an entire criminal background check, they have to see if they are tied to any terrorist organizations or potential terrorist organizations. So there's a lot of vetting involved. So Is there are opportunities for red flags to come up. So correct. how does somebody like this who has no business getting behind the controls of a commercial airplane do what he did? This man would go under the radar in full plain sight because he's got a uniform. 
He's got the CIDA badge that I referred to. He gets into this airplane. Nobody that was an employee would say, oh, what's he doing in the airplane? Closes it up. Now, granted, he he had some experience pushing back airplanes or towing airplanes. Okay. That doesn't mean he had inside experience mm -hmm. with it. Probably very often, because of the small type of operation of this regional carrier, Horizon Air, he got the opportunity to go in, talk with pilots. He was probably a very friendly man. So he got familiarity that way. The maneuvers that he performed, notwithstanding being able to take off the airplane without crashing it. Well, that's what uh, I had to think. I'm like, how does somebody do it if they have no pilot experience? He didn't well, have his license, but we're looking at the video. I, He's doing some what looks to be fancy maneuvering. And that's what's absolutely amazing. The only way I could see that this be plausible is that there is a big, passionate hobbyist group that flies desktop simulators to the point that the sophistication you can buy, I've been to their conventions, and they can buy sophistication depending upon how much money you want to spend. They can, they can actually make it realistic to fly that airplane, a 777, a Cessna 150. It, 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 they could get enough experience and exposure to it to believe that they could do what this, what this man did. And those maneuvers are absolutely incredible. An experienced Q400 pilot wouldn't necessarily be able to perform that maneuver, nor would they want to perform that maneuver because they know the limitations of, a, of an airline type aircraft. Incredible. And when you listen to him on that, that tape with the air traffic controllers, is there any information you think investigators can glean from their communication? Well, Certainly when the cockpit voice recorder is recovered, you know, if he was talking to himself uh, and then the flight data recorder itself to determine, you know, did this man begin his own demise by pushing the aircraft into the terrain, into the trees, um, that aspect of it, I'm sure. He, you know, there was something disturbed about this individual. I'm not a psychologist. Uh, but it sounds like he, he was going through a period of depression. I mean, I mean he, he, he himself said, we heard him say, I must have a screw loose. I didn't know it until now, I guess. And to get into an aircraft and actually almost sound that relaxed, uh, he must have been overwhelmed. I, I, I just can't imagine. Yeah. I would not climb into that Q400 with 25 plus thousand hours of experience not being trained in that aircraft. Incredible. It's just, it's absolutely amazing. Les Aubin, thank you so much. Yeah, wasn't that nuts? It was just straight nuts. Uh, uh, yeah, that's a probably... <laughs> You know, there's all kinds of news out there. You know, I could go on and on. Um, uh, Lollapalooza just wrapped up last week here in Chicago. I went to that. I figured that was, to me, that was more important than going to uh, Black Hat. <laughs> Had a good time. Got to hang out with some friends. It was hot. Really hot. <laughs> I went to go see uh, LL Cool J rap. Uh, he's, you know, I like the old, uh, LL Cool J shit and he, he brought it. It was, it was good seeing, uh, the old, old, but it was uh, good seeing some other, uh, acts. Uh, I got kind of sunburned, uh, and so did a lot of other people. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's kind of the weirdest story, uh, out there. You know, there's, there's been a lot of, uh, crimes lately with, uh, SIM cards, uh, telephone SIM cards. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the uptick on, uh, dishonest people work or working in, uh, dishonest cell phone locations. Uh, they actually have access to, uh, customer lists of, uh, AT&T, uh, Sprint, you know, all of the big providers. And so that's beginning to, uh, 
pop up on the radar actually um you know uh dishonest people accessing those uh central databases and uh and if you are a and it seems to be that if you are a high profile target uh, they will look you up uh, in these uh, databases and you know it could be you know some literally it could be some hole in the wall at a flea market that has access to these databases and uh, they are able to uh, zero in on uh, who their target is and then of course change their SIM card uh, information over to one that they are subscribed to on their phone or subscribe it to a clone phone. Uh, and basically uh, change the customer's information. They usually do this in the middle of the night. That way they have uh, all night long to gain access to uh, your, your um, two-factor authentication, uh, password reset uh, codes. And um, not only that, they have access to your voicemail. And, um, the, you, you know, of course, the, uh, the yarn continues, you know, will... Uh, starts to unwind at that point uh so that that seems to be a big thing lately uh as well so um one of the uh one of the other things that i found interesting was uh i, I was kind of listening back on some of the old uh talks from some security talks recently and i shared this with my team uh last week and it was uh due to the fact that uh you know, most mobile devices uh, carry, uh, you know, have different operating systems on there uh, besides, you know, just Android and iOS. And, um, you know, there's operating systems running independently in some of the side of the, uh, the, you know, chips inside of your device. And so uh, one of those in particular, and I believe if, if I'm not mistaken, you can uh, correct me on my research here, but uh, I was listening uh, and my interpretation was that there is an operating system uh, operating on the Broadcom chipset, which uh, uh, is most likely always uh, vulnerable to some sort of um, interference type attack. So I don't know, just throwing that out there. Um, uh, what else is news? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, I've, I've, as I said, I've been working a lot, uh, contributing a lot lately, uh, and um, just really resting a lot. And um, catching up on life you know last year was such a a fucking debbie downer and um so just kind of getting out there uh standing in the sun hopefully you are too hopefully this this summer brings a smile to your uh face <sighs> i'm almost out of breath feel like I'm out of breath. <laughs> uh, one of one of the one other news item that did pop to mind, and these are these are just out of memory. <laughs> uh, recently, recently, uh, uh, does anybody know? Ha has anybody heard of John McAfee? Has, have, has anybody heard about him? He's, you know, he's the guy that started the antivirus company back in the 80s or some shit. And then, uh, you know, sold, I don't know, became like Steve Jobs kind of rich and <laughs> became like really weirded out or did some bath salts or some shit. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, came back to the States a few years ago after being on the run in like fucking Costa Rica or something and immediately started stirring up shit in you know his neck of the woods of technology and 
it's kind of funny, man, you know, uh, and so recently, uh, he, you know, he posted this Bitcoin wallet thing. He's really into this Bitcoin shit. And uh, he created like this, this fucking hardware wallet and he's boasting of its security importance and it's unhackable and he's got this bug bounty and all this shit out there. Uh, and uh, it's, you know, it's, you know, it's been hacked like three or four times. And um, I don't know. So what was funny is... Uh, it seems that a kid uh, recently just <laughs> he rooted the de- he rooted the uh, device and uh, had Doom running on it, uh, and I thought that was just so uh, so so cool, so cool to see. Uh, so good for that kid. Uh, I don't know. I forgot his name. Um, I I don't know. That, hang on. I think I have it on Twitter. Uh, Abe Snowman, <laughs> not to be confused with uh, Al Froman, the sausage king of Chicago. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, it's an old 80s joke. See, I'm way, I'm, I'm, I'm just like in another uh, era tonight. So uh, anyhow, this this uh, this cat uh, was able to compromise the device, and um, I don't know, but have Doom running on it, which just fucking cracked me up. Uh, hopefully everything, you know, and that's it, man. That's, you know, I've got some devices and stuff that I want to talk about, but, uh, I got some things, uh, I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, putting some, uh, thread through some needles now and, uh, checking it and seeing, uh, seeing how, how good I can get that through. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're still here. We're, we're still hanging out. Uh, and, and uh, hopefully, uh, you are having a wonderful summer. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, on the next podcast, which I'll try to get back to in a week or so, uh, you know, just take care of yourself and, uh, just, you know, try to enjoy life, go out there, enjoy life, smile, enjoy that shit, right? You only have one spin on this, uh, this rock and and you might as well enjoy it. Uh, reach out to me, you know, usually I close the show out with reach out to me on Gobo, man, fuck that. Uh, if you want to check out this show, go to hackers.xxx. Until then, I'm out of here. Uh, my name is Gomo. Take care of yourself. And yeah, I'll talk about some more techno babble shit later. But hey, I, I dropped a few hints on this show, right? Take care of yourself. I love you guys. And uh, I'll see you next time on the show. Bye.
case and half a plan Follow the walls and sing along Past the voice 